enjoyed the song service and appreciate Brother Dylan's prayer. And thank all of you for being here and entrusting me with this puppet this morning. It, I always come up here with a certain amount of fear that I make sure that whatever I say is uh, in line with what the Lord would have me to do to try to help explain his word. And I can only do that with his help. This morning I want to talk to you from a subject matter that's contained in the 16th chapter of Matthew. 16th chapter of Matthew, and I want to read the first few verses here and then we'll talk a little bit. 16th chapter of Matthew, verse 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting him, he's talking about Christ, tempting him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Sadducees and Pharisees came and tempting him, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. They said, we want to see a sign from heaven to prove that you're really the son of God. We want to know who you are. And, uh, you know, Matthew, Apostle Matthew here gives us a clue that they're not sincere because he said they came and they tempted him, desiring that he would show them a sign from heaven. They weren't serious. They didn't want a sign from heaven. My gosh, he'd already given them all sorts of signs from heaven. He'd performed more miracles than you could possibly imagine, just over in, it's right across the page in my book. But Matthew 15, verse 30, it says, And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. This is the man that had turned water into wine. He walked on water. He'd cast the demons out of people and put them into a herd of pigs and they ran off into the ocean. Uh, he'd healed withered hands. He'd healed a stooped woman in the church. He picked up and got a man that's paralyzed next to the pool of Bethesda. He told him, take up thy bed and walked. He had done all sorts of miracles uh, in his life. I mean, they, he had done dozens of miracles. And not only that, this was the fifth time that the Sadducees and Pharisees had asked him, show him a sign. They were not trying to see a sign. They were trying to entrap him. They were trying to get him to say something that would be wrong, and then they could go to the Roman emperors and say, he's trying to take over, he's claiming he's the king and take over the kingdom, or they could take him to the Jewish people and say, he's not really the son of God. They were trying to find some way to trap him. And, of course, he was. I had to be getting a little frustrated with this because they had. he had performed all sorts of miracles. And even in the last two chapters here, before we get to Matthew 16, he'd held... Uh, he, he spoke to 5,000 people, 5,000 men, not counting women and children. They didn't have any food, and he, the, the bread and water they did have, a few loaves of bread and a cup of fish, and he produced them, and they fed all 5,000 people plus women and children, probably 10, 10 to 15,000, and they had 12 baskets left over. That was to the Jewish people. About a chapter later, he, he spoke to 4,000 Gentiles. Same deal. He took loaves and bread and multiplied them, and they fed... Uh, Probably 10, 11,000 people, counting women and children, had seven baskets left over. I mean, he, he had performed miracles. He, he healed lepers. He healed a blind man, you know, in the temple. He did all these things. Everyone he did publicly. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He'd done all sorts of miracles, and they're saying, well, show us one more sign. I mean, he had to be getting frustrated with them, and so he answered and said unto them. Now, this, you know, he's, if, you know, if there's anybody I wouldn't want to cross-examine, it would be Christ, but... He came back and he said, he answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather, for the sky is red and lowering. 
It's where we get the old sailors. It's where the sailors got the old saying, red sky at morning, sailor take warning, red sky at night, sailor's delight. It's red sky in the morning, you know, that's in the east, you got a storm coming. Red sky at morning, sailor, sailor take warning, it's going to be a bad day. If it's a red sky at night, it means the sun's in the sun and the storm is in the west, and so the, the storm is moving on, and so you're going to have a, should have a good day the next day. He gives them that saying, and that's where it comes from right here. You read that weather, he said, you can read the weather. Oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the sign of the times. It's so easy for you to see the signs of nature. You read all that, you know, but you can't read who I am. I perform more miracles than anybody possibly could, and you're still asking for more signs. They were afraid of losing their leadership position here. That's what they were most afraid of. The Pharisees and the Sadducees with the high priests of the Jewish people, they didn't want to lose, and, you know, and they had blinded and allowed themselves to be blinded and not to be able to see who it was and kept challenging because they didn't want to lose their title as head of the Jewish people to the king, now the new king of the Jews. So he called them hypocrites. You can, you can read the sign in the sky, but you can't read the sign of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonah, and he left them and departed. He said, the only sign I'm going to give you now is the sign of Jonah. Jonah, we know, was, went into the belly of the whale, swallowed by the belly of the whale. He stayed there three days and three nights, and then he recovered and, and came out alive. And he's referring there, of course, until his crucifixion. He died, buried, was resurrected three days and three nights and resurrected and came out. And That's our sign. That's the sign that we're supposed to look to. And that's what he's telling us here. This is the sign we should look for. And that's, but, but that's not the theme that he's really fixed to talking about here. He's just giving you his background here. And that's what I wanted to give you. He's got a different message for us here about to come up. It says, he left him and departed. Now he's with just his disciples. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. We didn't bring any bread. We didn't bring any food. Didn't bring any bread with them. And Jesus, verse 6 says, And then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we've taken no bread. He's talking about bread. And the only reason we can think he'd be talking about that would be because we forgot to bring food again. You know, that's not what he's talking about here. Jesus said, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Here, you know, every day in the world, we have the leaven of the world coming into our lives. Every day of the world, we have something that we bring home with us. We bring into our lives. We are brought away, something that leads us away from looking to the Lord for all our help. Instead of looking to the Lord... You know, I want to go out and try to find some other way to, you know, make more money and make my million by the end of the week, make my, figure out a way to how to feed my family. And I ought to be also coming back to the Lord every day and praying to him, asking him to give us this day our daily bread. He's telling us about the leaven that is in the world. Now, I don't want to get into politics, but I can tell you in the next two and a half months, you're going to get a ton of leaven, political leaven, dumped on you. A lot of stuff dumped on you, you know, and... We, we're already seeing how that kind of stuff can divide us. We don't let that divide us. That's what he's telling us. Beware of the leaven of the world. Beware of the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. We don't have Sadducees and Pharisees anymore physically, but we do spiritually. Everybody is wanting to tell you what you should be thinking and what you should be doing, and it's getting in the way between 
You're relying on Christ for your every need. That's what he's telling them. They think it's, well, you know, thank goodness the apostles are, are as dumb as I am. They're going, he must be speaking because we didn't bring any bread. He's not talking, it's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the leaven of the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And we know leaven is used to make bread. That's what he's talking about. Today, leaven is what we know of as yeast. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about beware of the yeast, as we would call it. They called it leaven back then. Anyway, they said, he's speaking about leaven because we, dadgummit, we forgot to bring bread again. And, and uh, he answered and says, he perceived what they were thinking. He said, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because you have brought no bread? This is not about bread. Do you not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Neither the seven loaves and the 4,000 and how many baskets you took up? You remember just a few days ago, I fed 5,000 people. We didn't have any bread. We had very little, not enough. To, we fed 5,000 plus women and children and had 12 baskets left over. Then I fed 4,000 Gentiles with a few loaves and bread and all left over. If you're looking to your daily nourishment, I can provide that. And that's what he tells us. That's what he tells us in the Lord's Prayer. Pray for give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. We should pray daily that the Lord will give us what we stand in need of. Don't worry about what the world has promised or what tells us. Be careful of the leaven. Verse 11, he says, How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? How, do you, how could you possibly interpret that to mean bread when I'm talking to you about the Sadducees and the Pharisees? Then the disciples, then the, disciples the apostles, understood uh, they, how he, he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Be careful of the doctrine of the Pharisees. Be careful what they, you allow people to get put in your life, to put between your reliance on me and your reliance on the world. Be careful how you do that. Up here, you know, he talked about with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He said, when he was telling them, you can read the weather, but you can't read the sign of the times. You can't see that I'm the Son of God. After all these miracles I've done because you've blinded yourself, you don't want to see it. And so you've blinded yourself as to who I am. We know that after that, the Jewish people did blind themselves as to that, and that's the reason the church, which we sang this morning, here in the vineyard of my Lord. The vineyard has been turned over to the Gentiles now. We're all Gentiles. I don't think I know anybody here that's Jewish people. He's turned the church over to the Gentiles. The Jews will be brought back in again at the last day. Their eyes will be opened at the last day. In the meantime, the church has been turned over to us Gentiles. It's a vineyard. We're supposed to take care of it, and we're supposed to produce fruit. When you come to church this morning on Sunday morning, you're producing fruit for the Lord. But he's telling us here now, he said, beware of the leaven. Let's talk a minute about what is leaven. The easiest way to tell you in layman's terms is it's yeast. That's what we know of it as today. We have good, perfect yeast. You want yeast, you go down to the store and you buy it in those little red and yellow squares, I believe. You know, and you come and you make cake and you just throw it in right then. And, and you can have yeast almost immediately and you can make things rise. It puffs things up and makes them rise. They didn't have that back in the old days. They took the flour of bran. Some of the farmers here, I see Brother Jim, Brother Kenny, and some of these other people here that are farmers would know better than me how to explain this, but they would take the bran, uh, 
seed and grind it up into pure flour, and they would mix it with what the Bible, what the Bible tells me is must. I assume that I don't know what that is. And they would also have a couple of other plants they used in the Middle East. And they would take it and they would mix it in with a little wheat flour and make a small little lump of dough. And then they would leave it out in the day heat, in the, in the room temperature, out in the sun, and it would ferment. It would start spoiling, and it would ferment. Turn to acid, get a lot of acid in it, and it would sour up, and it would rise up a little bit. And it would get fermented, and it smelled terrible, and it had acid in it. And then they would take that little small lump, and they would mix it in with bread flour and to make bread out of, and it would actually make it, it it'd rise. But not only that, they would take one little lump of this that had fermented, uh, you know, and, and it deteriorated, it contaminated, is what it meant. It would contaminate the whole lump, and they would mix it in with the rest of the flour, and it would contaminate the whole lump. Quickly, it would quickly spread. It's uh, uh, yeast, or in this case, leaven, is small, it's tiny, it's very hidden. It works very silently, but it permeates the entire dough. Permeates everything. He's telling us, that's what I want you to be aware of. Think about leaven when you think about the world. When you start letting the world permeate your church, your family, your home, it just takes a little bit to get in the door. And then it quietly and quickly spreads until it has made leaven out of the whole lump. The whole lump is contaminated. Now, you know, I mean, the thing about, you take about this and you take it and you ferment it and it turns acidy and sour and you mix it in with wheat. Tastes good. Of course, we all we love things of the world because they taste good. That's where it gets you get acid and sour. It's where you make sourdough. If you want to make a real true sourdough, you have to mix it up and get it going and get you a lump and get it to rise and get it to ferment and turn sour and turn acid. And then you, it takes a few days to get that lump prepared. And then you mix it in with a big lump. And then before you put it in the oven, you tear off a piece of that and save it back. Let it continue to ferment, ferment because then that starts the next batch. And they tell me that the longer you go on with this, they used to do this on chuck wagon days and back in homes and, and back to what the Jewish people did back then. They would take a little and hold it back, and the next time you start again, each time it got a little better. The longer you kept doing that, the bread kept getting better and better and tasted better, and that's where sourdough gets its name is when you have leaven. So it does taste good. A lot of things in this world we like and I like the taste of, but they're not really too good for me. This is what Jesus taught. I want you to understand how the world works in your life. I want you to understand. It just takes a little bit to get in the door, and it permeates. And he says, number one, right here, he's talking to them about the doctrine. Be aware of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware of their doctrine. Leaven, if you read in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, reverend represents sin in various types. It represents some sin that you let get into your life, and you can't get rid of it. I suspect that we've all been hit in our families uh, with various problems of the world. Drug and alcohol, I've had some of my family members very close to me that have gotten caught up in that and they can't get turned, can't get rid of it. I've got one, you know, and a uh, uh, close family member that, you know, they start off, it starts off real small and hidden and not a problem. And especially in those people that are susceptible, it gets in and it permeates and pretty soon it's in the family and you have problems in the family and I've, I've experienced uh, some of that firsthand, and it's tough. You know, you, you, need to, you need to, that's what he's telling them, beware of the leaven of the world. And that's all sorts of world. Everything from, you know, 
Look how good Las Vegas looks. I've been to Las Vegas, and I like the bright lights, and you know, and I've been to some plays, and you know, it's it's a it's a fun. They they televise it and, and broadcast it as the fun place of the world, a big fun city. <clears throat> it's leaven that it gets into you, and I'm saying I've been there too. You know, I I, I, I there's no greater lover of football than me. You know, I have to be careful, or it'll consume my life. I like politics. You all know that. I've been in politics before. I have to be careful not to, especially these days when right now politics is just terrible. I don't want to talk parties at all. It's just terrible. If we get it permeating in our lives and in our churches, it's going to split them because we let that. We get where those things become greater than our love and fellowship of each other, greater than our love of the Lord. And if we let anything outside this building, for instance, uh, take over where we're take over our lives where it consumes us then we're putting that above christ and that's what he's saying it's what he's telling us here beware of the living in the parish of the pharisees and the sadducees because it will come in small hidden and quiet and then it'll grow and it'll keep growing and pretty soon it's permeated the whole loaf the whole bread loaf over in first corinthians chapter five apostle paul talks to us about. He's addressing the problems in the Corinthian church. Now, Corinth uh, was located in a place where they worshipped a lot of idols. They had a lot of idolatry. And part of the idolatry, uh, sadly, was immorality. And they worshipped the immorality, immoral things that go on. And I don't have to tell you, we've got them in this world today. People get caught up in that, but they actually worshipped it. They actually used it as part of their worship services to the gods they worshipped. And uh, he starts off chapter 5 talking about a problem now, one of these problems, a moral problem that you've let get inside the church. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. We have a problem of incest. And the church is in the church, and the church knows it. He said, and you're puffed up about it. That's what yeast and leaven do. They tend to make you, they were, I guess they were enjoying it. They were kind of... Uh, proud of for whatever was going on. I don't, we don't know the background facts, but I'm sure they were justifying it somehow. And he said, for verily, I verily, as absent in body, I'm not there with you, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were there present concerning them that have done this deed. He says, you're glorying about it. Verse 6, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. If you don't fix these problems quick, Pretty soon, it's going to permeate the entire crowd. Things become acceptable. And we've seen that over the years in every church, ours included, that we've accepted some things that probably didn't, shouldn't be there, and after a while, you accept them, and then they continue. And anyway, in this case, he's talking about morality. Over there, he was talking about doctrine, what the doctrine ought to be. We ought to always try to worship and, and, and study and keep our doctrine pure and clean. I've said before, Whoever speaks up here ought to be able to speak the truth, and if they're not speaking the truth, you need to stop it and get a hold of it. Don't let it happen anymore and get it corrected, me included. Over here, and then Apostle Paul says it's also morality. <clears throat> Over here in Galatians chapter 5, Paul starts off this. I'll skip a few verses here, but first verse, he says, Stand there fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. You're already free from the law of sin and death because of Christ. What he's already done for you. Your name was in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. Christ came and died for you on the cross, shed his blood. He didn't die in vain. He died for those people that the Lord gave him. You already been made free. And that's what he's telling. Stand there for us in the liberty. Stand fast in that. 
and we try to. That's one of our fundamental principles. Now, we've got problems today in this world in time. But we stand fast knowing that our eternal salvation is secure. We ought to be thankful for that. We shouldn't take that for granted. And, in, and when, we do, when we do that and when we practice like we should, the Lord will take care of us even today and tomorrow during this time frame. But he gets over here and he talks about their, their believers in circumcision, this, at Galatians. They had a problem. They were still practicing circumcision. He said, that's the Jewish deal. That's old under the old law. He says, behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ profits you nothing. If you're still getting circumcised because that was the law of Moses, then Christ coming along hadn't helped you at all. You're still wanting to work under the old law. He said, it profits you nothing. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Well, whosoever of you are justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. And he's not talking about permanently or eternally. He's talking about you put yourself under the old bondage of the law today. It goes back, This is while well, this is talking about practice, religious practice, he's also talking about doctrine. If you've put yourself under the old law of Moses and you're suffering and you're worried about, boy, I better go get circumcised. Better I go join the church. I better get baptized. I better do all these good things. And those are good to do. But if you do it out of fear that you're going to go to hell, then that's what he's saying is wrong. And he says, Christ doesn't do you any good if you're going to put yourself under fear like they lived under the old law. He said, verse 6, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. He said, understand, whether you get circumcised or not circumcised, and this is in, in, in a sense of the Jewish people, whether you get circumcised or uncircumcised, doesn't matter. Faith in love. Have an understanding that Christ loves you and died for you already. He's taking care of that. Understand that, and then your mind is free, and your heart's free. You've got a peace about you that you won't get anywhere else by doing that. And he gets over here, and he, he tells them about this. When you had let these type of practices in the church, at verse 9, he says, A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. First, he tells us when you start doing stuff that are outside, you let that in and let that into your life. You start relying on things other than Christ and Him crucified and understanding that what He did on the cross saved you, period, eternally. Now, if you want to be saved day to day in this world, that's what Paul's talking about here. It's what he's talking to about and preaches to us about. Over here in, in uh, I believe it's in uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 1. I'm not going to go there, but 12, verse 1, it's a short sentence where he tells us that, that uh, the hypocrisy of the Sadducees and the Pharisees is also leaven that leaven is the whole lump. You can't be hypocrites. Boy, do our politicians need to hear that today. Anybody who, who says, you know, and we had this week a major religious leader uh, was caught doing something he shouldn't do, had his picture, I understand, on Facebook. I haven't seen that, but I read news. He wound up having to resign in his position, high leadership position, and everybody's calling him a hypocrite because he claimed to be religious, and then yet he got caught doing activities uh, that he shouldn't have been doing. Hypocrisy. We've seen over here, he said, it's a doctrine. It's the practice in the church. It's hypocrisy. It's any kind of sin that you let creep into your life. I want to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning verse 15. This is a verse you've all heard, but I want to read a little further on here. It says, Study to show thyself approved of, unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's how what you know what the doctrine is right, if you read and study. I'm telling you to read your Bible and study so you know the doctrine. 
He said, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase into more godliness. Get rid of all these arguments that don't matter. I can remember years ago, I remember an old preacher preaching about that, and he said, we stay up sometime by midnight trying to decide, did Adam have a navel? Did Adam have a navel? I don't know. I mean, you know, we have navel because we got an umbilical cord attached to our mother, and that's cut off, and that leaves the navel. Adam wasn't born that way. He was made. Did he have a, you know, that's what he's talking about. That's a good example. We get into these stupid arguments over religious trivia that there's not any answer to, and the Bible hadn't told us. If the Bible hadn't told us, we probably don't need to know it. He's saying, get rid of those. Don't get into these type of picking picking fights over stuff that doesn't matter. Uh, verse 22. Well, let me go to verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, and prepared for every good work. Get rid of everything in your life that's leaven. Don't get into fruit, stupid arguments like this. Don't be a hypocrite. Be honest. Be straightforward and purge yourself. Flee also youthful lusts. I've got a useful lust. I, there's a lot of things in my life I still like to do that I did as a kid and I'm not supposed to do anymore. And that's what he's telling us. He knows. He's speaking to us. He knows. He's talking to us. Still a problem today. Flee useful lust. Follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the, on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolishness and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. You know, he's telling us, basically, examine your life and take the things out of it. Go back to 1 Timothy, one chapter back. Chapter 4. Now the Spirit speaketh ex expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of the devils. You notice in the book when it talks about doctrines of the devil or doctrines that are not true it always says they're plural they're doctrines over here and he gets i'll get to verse 16 here in a minute it says take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine paul tells us there's only one doctrine and that's what that's what we're taught in the bible it's what he teaches very clearly in timothy verse 7 he says but refuse profane and old wives fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness get rid of all the foolishness in your life Get yourself and take heed unto thyself. I want to go to a couple. Of, I'm going to close a little early here for you here, but I want to go to back to 1 Corinthians where I talked about the leaven of the Pharisees. This was where the morality was. It's also hypocrisy. It's also doctrine. It's anything that you let creep into your life. These days we have all sorts of new words for it. Everything we learn on the Internet and gambling and sex and drugs and the lust of the world, the greed of the world. Keep those out of your life. You know, Throughout the Bible now, when I say greed of the world, we're encouraged. You know, there's no harm in making money. If you take your money and you use it for the right purposes, first take and care and feed your family, save some back, uh, give it to the right causes. Those are all good things to do. There's nothing wrong with having money, but you shouldn't love money. There's, there's, there's good things with drugs. We all have to take drugs. I have to take several pills a day to help me. That's also preached in the Bible where he says, you know, a little wine is good for the stomach for medicine. Tells us there's good things to take for medicine. We're told about the bomb of Gilead and all its healing power. So all those things are good, but when we take them to excess, then we are putting leaven in our life. He talked about when he was talking to Corinthian church in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, you're puffed up and you've got to get rid of the leaven. Verse 7, this is the, the theme I want to close on. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as you are unleavened, even Christ our Passover 
sacrifice for us. He's taking this, he's comparing it back to the Passover. Go back into the book of Exodus in the Old Testament when the Jews were there in Egypt and they were slaves in Egypt to the Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And remember, Moses was about to lead them out, but Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. And so Moses, the Lord called on Moses, and, and they had a series of ten plagues on Egypt. And, and they went through nine of them, and Pharaoh still would let them go. And so they, they said, now we're going to put a plague on all the firstborn in the family. Firstborn of, of not only um, men, but also of animals will all die in the family. And he said, unless you take a, a, a goat, a goat, a lamb, that is pure in quality, and this is compared to Christ. A lamb that is pure, doesn't have any blemishes on it. You take to kill it, take the blood of that lamb and smear it on the doorpost. The doorpost is an emblem of the cross, the wooden cross. Emblem on that, and when the angel of death comes through in the middle of the night, then I'll pass over those doors. All the Jewish people and all their children were saved. All the people of Egypt, all their herds and cattle and livestock, all lost the firstborn child, including the firstborn of the Pharaoh. That's when the Pharaoh decided to let them go, and he let them go. That's when they left out of Egypt. But the first thing Moses said, and when you get ready to eat, leave Egypt, get rid of all the leaven in your house. And each time you celebrate Passover, get rid of the leaven in your life. This was actually leaven in the bread. It was, it was a you know, physical thing to do. He said, because you're starting a new life. You're beginning this. When you leave Egypt, you're starting a new life. You're going to go into the promised land and take that over, and you'll have a new land there and a new life. So get rid of the leaven in your life. And he told him, get rid of all of it and start with a new batch with no leaven. You start with a new batch of, of just bread. And then, you know, later on, they, they could make leaven again in their lives. But starting over, when you have a start over, that's when they get rid of the leaven. Each time they celebrate Passover today, they eat unleavened bread. It's to remind us to look at our lives again and start over. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling us now about today. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. You are unleavened. That's representing the purity that we get from Christ. Christ was unleavened. He didn't have any leaven, any sin in his body at all. That's the reason the Jewish people to reserve the Passover. But Paul tells us here, you also observe your Passover. Purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. You're unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, keep the Passover feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. He's saying, every now and then, examine yourself and start over. One more verse, and I'll close. Over here in Corinthians, a little further in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, Chapter 12, this is one where he tells us about when we're taking communion. And that's what he said is this communion is our Passover. When we observe communion, that's observing our Passover. That's why we have unleavened bread. That's why we have wine. Wine and bread represent Jesus' blood and body. And when we take it, we're supposed to take it and start again. It's a reminder. Do this in remembrance of me. That's why we have communion. That's why we have <clears throat> the uh, bread and the wine and that's why we also add on to the back of that the washing of the saints feet <clears throat> that's not an ordinance of the church but he's told us to do it in the 13th chapter of John if you've got any wickedness and malice in your heart if I'm mad at Mo over here for some reason I ought to pick him out to wash his feet 
that because there's nothing more degrading than going and washing somebody's feet. In doing that, I'm letting Mo know if I have anything against you, I'm getting rid of it. I'm starting over again, Mo. We're going to start off fresh. Now, I don't have anything against Mo. I tease him and use him as an example. That's what communion is all about. It's our feast with, uh, <coughs> of the unleavened bread in which we start over. And that's what he tells us. Paul, he goes through and tells us about when you do this in remembrance of me. And I'll skip that part. We have that at communion every time. Verse 28, he says, But let a man examine himself so that he may eat of that bread and drink of that cup, and he may do it worthily. I have gotten rid of the leaven again. Now, I have to get rid of leaven all the time. It keeps creeping back into my life. And that's what he's saying. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not, not discerning the Lord's body. He's not talking about eternally. He's talking about you're not really starting over. You still got all that leaven in you, and you, you're going through communion falsely. He said, you need to take it seriously. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, then we should not be judged. That's what communion is about. And that's why we symbolically eat the unleavened bread and the pure wine. We don't, we don't have anything else except pure wine. And we bring, I don't know which one the sisters make it. I think maybe Sister Nelda does, the unleavened bread. And it comes back and it's flatter than a flitter, you know. So it doesn't have any leaven it hadn't raised up. And use that time frame to get the leaven out of your life. Start all over. When you are born again, you are made a new creature. All this represents the same thing. We are to make a new creature out of ourselves every time. We are to examine ourselves. If you don't examine it, your Lord will. You know, you, 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 you're doing things in this world. The Lord will let you then fall in the hands of the world. He'll back off and let you fall in the hands of the world. But if you'll follow his direction, get the leaven out of your life, and use communion especially, we ought to do it every day, that's why he knows us. He knows we'll forget. He says, I want you to do community. I want you to drink this wine and eat this bread, unleavened bread, and remember to me. This represents my body, <clears throat> my, my blood and my body and, and, and its sinless nature. Take that, and then and you take it on you. Take back your body without sin. Now, mine's not going to stay there, I can tell you. I need to go through communion probably about once a week to try to do that, to remember that. But we're to remember to get the leaven out of your life. Get the politics out of your body, out of the church. Don't hold it against somebody. Get the malice out of your body. I had a, grie a grievance with, you know, Brother Keith or something. Get rid of that. Start over again. Start over your life. When you do, you're going to live the life that Christ wants you to live. And you're going to be surprised at how things go right in the world. You know, there's been times when I've said, you know, we're seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then he'll add all things to you. You know, I want, I want to go to football games, and I, I want to go out and eat out, and I want to have a good time, and I want a nice home or car. <coughs> he tells me if I get up every morning and read the Bible for a little bit and pray, your day is going to go better. You know, I, I've used this example before. You know, I get up in the morning, and I think I don't have time to read or pray. I've got to get to the office because I've got to argue with some stupid lawyer over a contract. And, you know, I'm a prophet. Because I do. I get to the office and I'm arguing with somebody over a stupid contract and we can't get the wording worked out and I argue all day long and I ain't get anything done. In the morning when I get up and I take time to read the Bible, I take time to say a prayer that I don't have time to do, but I'll take time and do it. You know, it's amazing. My negotiations go a lot better with the other lawyer. He agrees with me for not any reason. And, you know, and I get through earlier than then. I went, my day went pretty good. It went a lot better than I thought. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will add all those things in the world 
that he knows you won't. He's not going to give you everything. I'm not, you know, if I tell him I want to go out and win a million dollars in gambling, I can't. He's not going to have anything to do with that. I may win a million dollars, but he won't have anything to do with it. <clears throat> but we should use communion every day, in fact. But it's particularly at communion. That's why he's given us this service that to remind us, get the leaven out of your life. Eating the unleavened bread should tell you that. That should tell you we're like the people from Egypt, leaving Egypt. We're to start a new life. When you're born again, that's, you're a new creation, and you start all over again. He gives us that ability. He gives us the ability to start over. Even when we sin in this world, he gives us a chance to have a new day. Start over every day. You, you, you seek forgiveness. You admit it. You admit I'm a sinful person, and I seek forgiveness from him. You'll get it. That's what he's telling us. But you, you're not if you, you're not if I don't forget my, you know, the, the any complaints I have or grievance I have against Brother Kenny, you know, or Brother Charlie or Brother Dwayne, Brother Fred. If I don't forgive those things and let them drop, let the Lord take care of that, not me, and look to Him. If I've got any problems, I go to Him. You know, I've tried to solve a lot of problems in my life, and most of the time I mess them up, make them worse. When I go to Him and I give them to Him, number one, it takes a big burden off me when I truly do. And it's amazing how that problem seems to resolve itself. And it'll resolve itself very conveniently. You know, some problems that I had a couple years ago that I would pray about finally, after I realized, dummy, pray. I pray about them, and I look back, and I'm going, I don't know what happened to that problem, but it's gone. I don't remember when it changed, but suddenly I realized it's gone away. Beware of the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. That's the world. Everything in the world, we should try to remove ourselves. You can't remove yourself from the world. You can do everything you can to keep it away from you. Keep it out of your life, especially keep it out of the church, keep it out of your family as best you can. You know, and examine yourself every now and then. Stop and examine yourself and start over. Get rid of that leaven and start over with unleavened. Purify yourself in your mind and start over. You can have start over, and it'll see. I mean, even people that have had major problems can start over, and people see it. And suddenly everything's going right for you in the world. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I appreciate your kind attention, and my prayer is the Lord will richly bless each one of you.